Yvette, and this is episode 11. Radio Cachimbona is a podcast hosted by one Salvatorian, that's a Salvadoran Taurus, growing, healing, and storytelling in southern Arizona. I'm here to storytell the fierce, ongoing resistance occurring in these borderlands and centering Central American voices. I'm really excited today to have Rowena, one of my oldest, actually my oldest friend. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> And we're going to do like a Q&A type episode. We, or I posted on the Insta story asking y'all to send us questions that you wanted answered. And so we're going to start there and then also throw in some random ones just for fun. So hope y'all enjoy. Rowena, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, I'm Rowena. I'm one of Yvette's or I am her oldest friend, as she mentioned. Um, she's also my oldest and best friend. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> okay, so somebody asked, how did we meet? Well, it was a while ago. Yes. I don't even know how many years. You said it the other 2001. night. 2001. Okay, yeah, 2001. <laughs> the turn of the century. <laughs> and we met because we went to the same elementary school, and I remember... I think third grade, you came into shadow for a day. Actually, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that's what I always remember. That's the real That's how I count it. That. Yeah, even though we weren't, like, friends at that point. No, but, did. like... Yeah, you know my name. Yeah, but <laughs> I did. Oh. Wasn't I there to, like, test? No or... one had ever done this. So, like, if you understand, like, we went to a very, like, small, like, Catholic school, like, K through 8 school. And there was literally 30, 35 people in each class. So the fact that, like, new was coming in just to shadow for the day, we were all so excited. We were like, oh, my God, like, a new, like, let's hang out with her. Let's talk to her. And I remember we were all so excited because like you get tired of you know being in the class with like that many people so that's how I always remember like the first time I met you but obviously like you didn't start until the next year I think yeah Yeah, so fourth grade Mm -hmm. I think we were (laughs) I think we were friends on and off throughout those first few years we stopped being friends when I came back from El Salvador and you were like everything is different yeah I was so dramatic I literally remember saying that and I I think like I had like become friends with someone with other people yeah who I used to be friends with and then they weren't friends with me I don't know it was that stupid like elementary school like politics (laughs) but then I was seventh grade eighth grade is when we started to become solid and then like throughout high school college Mm -hmm. and up to now Mm -hmm, so that's mm -hmm. how we met so we met when I went to this school to take a test and I guess since it was private school you had to take a test to be able to oh did you take a test yeah I didn't know that that's what I remember that's why I remember being there that day because I remember I was like (laughs) taking the test and then I think afterwards they were like oh do you want a tour and I was like I mean okay (laughs) oh that's so funny I literally thought you were just there to like check out the scenery like see what's going on (laughs) no from my perspective it was a stressful day because I had to take that test oh that is stressful yeah so yeah that was in third grade and then I enrolled in that school in fourth grade 2001. Okay, so this same person who asked, how did you guys meet, mm-hmm. also asked, do you have spicy story time? And I didn't know what that meant, and I was, like, I kind mean, of offended, and I felt... Like, I think I know what that means. What does it mean? I mean, I, I'm assuming just because we've been friends for so long, do we have any funny stories about stuff we've done as friends? I mean, there are some. Like, I don't think we've done anything... <laughs> you don't think so? I mean, what have we done that's, like, so absurd? That's right, yeah. yeah. And I remember thinking it was really cool that the car was made the same year I was born. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, which is actually just a reflection of how old that car was. <laughs> <laughs> True, but we, <laughs> you made it, it sound a little... around everywhere. You made it sound a little cuter. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I remember being so excited because I was like, oh, like, she can drive... Because, like, I wasn't allowed to get my license. Long story, but yeah, I wasn't allowed to. So we ended up, I don't know, like, I think a friend told me about a party that was going on or something. So, like, we decided to go. Like, mm-hmm. oh, let's go to a high school party. Mm-hmm. So we went. I like, somebody's dad was there drinking. Was someone's dad there? Like, I think, yeah. Like, wasn't oh, like, God. A, a Russian dad? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was the guy whose house it was. Yeah. I definitely remember that. Because I, Cause I remember being like, whoa, like, we have grew up in such different cultural contexts. Yeah. my mom would not be sitting here hammered on vodka while like teenagers rung amok doing random no, things totally that would never happen <laughs> i don't know i remember I, I had like my first kiss at that party so that was a little spicy i guess i don't know spicy. <laughs> spicy or just a late bloomer but I, f- <laughs> I feel like we drink a lot together and we both hold our alcohol really well mm-hmm. well there have been some meltdowns <laughs> i mean yeah but we don't post mescal tasting Oh, well, that was a different kind of meltdown. I was just not doing well. I was like, I need to lay down. <laughs> but yeah, we were, we're both pretty, like, 
I don't know. We, we're pretty calm when we're drunk. We're not because some people get like super like loud, our personalities like, don't like super change. Yeah, no. I'm just m- maybe a little bit funnier, or a little more talkative. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I just like the word spicy. I was like, what do you mean? No, I feel like we've individually because like when we were in college, we both had some pretty spicy things, but oh, we yeah. were, we didn't go to the same college, so it's hard yeah. to tell those stories. I'm gonna keep the podcast professional though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one wants to hear about that stuff. If you want to know, you need to like Venmo me or buy me a drink. <laughs> And my experience at Stanford Law was really hard, and I I didn't like it, you know, for the vast majority of it. Yeah. But, and then even, I have mixed feelings about practicing law. I have gotten a lot of fulfillment from it, mm-hmm. and I've learned a lot, and I've met really amazing people, but also, it's not something I can see myself doing for the rest of my life. Yeah. So, and then I took out a lot of money to do the <laughs> thing that I don't want to do for the rest of my yeah. life, so I'm a little bitter about that. But... I wouldn't change going to law school because, like I said, I met a lot of really amazing people through the experience, and, like, one of those is my partner, Joseph. Yeah. And I think I'm very happy with where I'm at in my life right now, and I wouldn't want to change going to law school because I wouldn't want to roll the dice on something else because what I have right now is so good. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, I feel kind of the same. Obviously, I didn't go to law school. I went to undergrad at Loyola Marymount University in L.A., And I wouldn't take it back just because I met, like, so many good friends. I had a great experience, and I really wanted that college experience where, like, I got to move away from home and just kind of grow up and, like, experience being on my own, and I got all of that, and I loved it. But I will say in the sense of especially costs, because for me, I didn't have any scholarships. Well, I had, like, a small scholarship. Mm -hmm. I probably could have applied for more, but I was just not really in tune with all that back then. But basically... it's hard Get, to get enough scholarship money to pay for a whole year's tuition because of yeah. expensive schooling. No, yeah, and it's a private school, so it was honestly like, I think it started at like $55,000 a year if you mm-hmm. include room and board for my first year. Mm-hmm. So times that by four, that's a lot of money. Yeah. But basically for the remainder that like wasn't co- covered by scholarships, I had to take out loans. So like in my name and then in my parents' name. So in that sense, I do, I don't regret it, but it is just kind of something I think about like oh now I have on the next like seven years or ten years when it started like paying back these loans so it's hard and I do think that for some people and I think the way things are going now like there are a lot of professions where you don't actually really need a four-year degree mm-hmm. that's just the case like if you think about it if you started out I don't know at an entry-level job doing something you really liked right out of high school by the time everyone got out of college you might be able to you would be making like a good amount of money and you're doing something you really want to do and you don't have that debt. I mean, it's great if you can go to college without debt, but that's not the case for most people. So mm-hmm. I think that's the only thing looking back, if I could have done it different, I don't know that I would, but I mean, LME was really my only choice if, unless I wanted to live at home, which yeah. wasn't going to happen. So <laughs> I don't regret it. This is why Andrew Yang's proposal of universal basic income is so attractive to me. Yeah. Because I actually feel like that would allow, I don't I think it would end up, making it so that people don't go to college yeah. as often. And I think that that's fine. Cause I think the startup trends, I think, I mean, I think some of that gets a little problematic where there's immature people running companies. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, I like that spirit. Certain fields require knowledge to be built upon itself. Yeah. Like all, all the STEM fields basically. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, I, I learned like critical thinking skills and critical writing skills that helped yeah. me in law school. So that was good for me. But I, like you said, I think that there's a lot of professions that don't require even like that amount of training. Yeah. You know, you could just do a year or two or whatever. No, for sure. And I think, I mean, with the amount that colleges are charging and it's obviously going up every single year, I will say the stuff I learned in terms of as I work in public relations and I studied communications, which is like most people do who like want to go into PR. But I will say most of what I learned hasn't helped me on the job. Yeah. What I learned came from my internships and actually working a day-to-day job like in PR. None of what I learned in college has been beneficial to me, to be honest. So mm-hmm. I think there are some fields where maybe one day, hopefully, we can rethink whether or not a college degree is a requirement for an entry-level job. Because I think that would that would make things a lot easier for people. I don't know, just a thought. It would make it easier for people in a world right now where college is so expensive. Yeah. Because I think if college was free, I, mean, I think it, it, 
I don't know. Honestly, I think it's a beneficial experience. I don't think it's a necessary one. Exactly. Like, I see the reason I appreciate the experience was because I grew as a person. Uh, I made friends. I had good experiences, but it's not necessarily for the academic reasons, which is <laughs> why you should be going to school or why you do go to school. So it was like a lot of like self exploration for me. And yeah. Like, I've always loved schools. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just at a liberal arts college, it was encouraged to learn things just for the sake of learning things. And I think that's a really healthy message Mm -hmm. and something I take with me now, you know, like I still try and keep up on things and like still as someone who's learning. Yeah, no, for sure. How do you get comfortable networking? especially as a woman of color. How do I get comfortable networking? Okay, truthfully, I'm not as good at networking as I probably should be. It wasn't necessarily a time when I was looking to network, but you can't really think about it like that. Like, you can't be just like, oh, I want a new job, so I'm going to go to something to network. Like, just like trying to meet people in your industry and getting to know people down the road. If you are looking, you like hit them up or whatever. But I do pretty like talk with people I've worked with in the past. Mm -hmm. So before I work at a big tech company in Silicon Valley right now but before that I was at two different PR agencies and at both agencies I'm still like super close with all the people that I worked with or like some of the people that I worked with and I keep in contact with them and that's actually some how of people. some of the people current job I actually got it because someone from that first agency reached out to me and was like hey like we're hiring are you interested in maybe applying and I was like yeah for sure but it, I will say it really my granddad always told me it's who you know not what you know and like honestly that is kind of true yeah I thought I tried to think about it in a more chill way mm-hmm. like I don't think about it as networking I think about it as relationship building with people yeah. who have the same values as me and the same goals as me or yeah like people who have done things that I want to do too mm-hmm. and especially I think as you become more comfortable with yourself as an adult mm-hmm. person in the world yeah. then I think you just get more comfortable talking to people of different ages it's just because I, I think when I was in college, I felt intimidated by my professors. Yeah. So I thought that they knew so much more than I did and whatever. And then I, I've just gotten to a place where I feel comfortable with myself and I know what I can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And, and you can think about networking that way too. It's not always you asking people for stuff. You yeah. can also offer up something yeah. to someone else. It's like mutually like beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not advisable to like be that person who only contacts someone else when mm-hmm. when you need something. You need something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah, it's like also I mean it does friendship. work like yeah, it does work like that sometimes, but like yeah. you have some sort of like a basis relationship with that person. Yeah. Well, I just think if you're really also looking for a quality mentor, you want somebody that can have those hard or comfortable conversations mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. So you want someone that's more than surface level. Yeah, definitely. What's it like being a lawyer? I can't imagine arguing for a potentially guilty client. <laughs> and <laughs> I switched uh, the PR version of this is what it's like to wrap a client whose values you don't agree with or who you just don't like. I really have come to identify as a defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. And I think if you are going to be a defense lawyer, you have to just be attached and totally believe in the principle that your client deserves your most zealous and best representation. Yeah. And also like firmly believe that people aren't the worst thing that they've ever done Mm -hmm. you know i think that people are more complex than that yeah and i think it's really important to not treat people as disposable because that actually is what happens to a lot of my clients they get in contact with the criminal justice system and i think about one of my clients in particular his family just like stopped talking to him Mm -hmm. when that happened oh wow yeah and so he was just by himself incarcerated oh god and it was an honor to be there for him and I remember like he had been accused of a sex crime okay yeah. and I read the police report even though I didn't need to and I subsequently <laughs> wished that I hadn't read the police report oh no I, you know but then but like I met him and he was so nice yeah and like really I think that tested my abolitionist values really because mm-hmm. it's like do you really believe that like people are redeemable do you really believe that people can get better yeah without being incarcerated yeah and this person just totally confirmed that for me that like you can do things in your past like even really ugly things Mm -hmm. in your past and you can still be a good person yeah and he was he was really sweet he was so grateful for the services that i was providing it was really 
hard to tell him that I was leaving my job. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was the worst part of leaving my job, like, having to tell the client. Yeah. And I remember he was like, what? No way. What? And I was like, yeah, but don't worry because um, I have another advocate step in my place and yeah. I'll be just as good as me. And then he was like, what? But are they going to fight for my case as hard as you have? Oh, my gosh. And I was like, yes, of course, I promise. And he was like, hmm. I doubt it. Wow, like, I don't know, he, yeah, I just appreciate, especially when I'm dismissed by other people, Yeah, like, it's really, I appreciate it, being able to represent that person. Yeah. And I think that that's the attitude you need to have if you're going to be a defense lawyer. Yeah, definitely. If you you can't handle your clients maybe being guilty, then... Mm -hmm. Then it's probably not not for you. (laughs) You can maybe do civil rights litigation... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some, something that's not something, that. Yeah. Because um, that's just something that you have to get used to and you have to believe in that principle. Do you feel like that's, because I think this, because I'm also a Taurus, but I feel like that's a Taurus thing. Like we see the good in people. I mean, obviously like people do bad things, but I kind of feel like deep down somewhere, like there's some good in every person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Tauruses are really sentimental. And like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of romantic. But no, but I think that's like an undervalued quality in our world. Yeah. Oh, no, it definitely is. Yeah. What's the equivalent in PR? PR, it's sort of similar. Maybe working in an agency, you do get put on accounts where you're working with clients who are super difficult and just very demanding and really try to give you a hard time. I honestly... <laughs> The best way that I just thought about it, whatever's thrown at me, all I think about is like my job, I'm getting paid to do this. So I have to do my best to like make it work. That's like my mentality of all the jobs I've had. So I've had some pretty challenging clients, but it's kind of just something that doesn't really affect like work that you do for them because you want to, yeah, it can't. And you kind of just, it's almost like you want to prove them wrong and be like, oh, you don't think like we're doing this right? Well, like look at what we're actually doing. Like you kind of just want to like prove like you are actually doing Mm -hmm. like everything you're supposed to be doing and you're doing it well. So that's kind of how... That makes sense. You have to prove your prove your PR expertise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, there are times even when you're working with a client who has a product that might not be something like... You might be like, okay, this actually doesn't work. Or like, this isn't <laughs> something that I think is really going to like stick with consumers. But you still have to just find a way to let it and make it into something that will resonate with the media and with consumers. It's, it's just ch- kind of trying to find like the balance between knowing, okay, like... This isn't the greatest product, but spin it to, like, make it into something that, like, will be, like, good for people. Yeah. I don't know. That's what lawyers do, too. You yeah. Have to, you reframe and you create your own narrative. There's a lot of spinning. There's a lot of reframing. Like, I think that the parallels are there, mm-hmm. for sure. Someone asked, when was the time you felt any sort of immediate privilege? Any stories of this? I had a thought about this because I've always been really proud of the fact that my parents are Salvadorian and that my parents are immigrants Mm -hmm. and so I always like share that with my clients so that they know that I also come from an immigrant background yeah a family that immigrated here Mm -hmm. and that we're also Central American just so that we can share that experience yeah but then recent like last year maybe two years ago I realized that I need to check myself and realize my privilege in relation Mm -hmm. to my clients yeah so my partner and I went to La Guatitlan for a vacation of ours and it's so gorgeous. It's this beautiful lake and a crater among mountains mm-hmm. in Guatemala. I was helping out with a Guatemalan client. And I was just kind of trying to, like, make small talk and, like, mm-hmm. get to know her better. Or just, like, make her feel comfortable. Yeah. And she was like, oh, you're... I was like, oh, you're from Guatemala. Like, you're... Or she... The area... She told me where she was from and it was near this place. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I recently went to La Guatitlan. And then she was like... She didn't know where it was. Because oh. she was so poor that she had never left her town. Oh, wow. And I think that's really important to be aware of because then that's how you're the best kind of... You're creating the best kind of solidarity because you recognize how you're impacted by it and you also recognize the privilege that you have. So you know when to listen mm-hmm. and when to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a great question. Also, I will say really quick that I think this is a privilege both of us have because we do have disposable income. 
that we can use to travel. Yeah, and, like, I would come out here and visit you in Arizona. Yeah. So, like, that is, for sure, yeah, is a privilege that not everybody is able to do. Yeah. But we text a lot anyway. Yeah, we do. would say that I'm not, like, best at keeping in t- contact with people, but with certain people, I'm really good at it. We've both been good at texting, making plans to, like, hang out, even though you did move away. Whenever you're home, like, we hang out. I make an effort to, like, come out here. We take trips together and stuff like that. So I think it's just a matter of making sure to, like... priority. Yeah, making it a priority. I'll text you, like, random things, and you'll text me random things, too. (laughs) So it's, like... So you're just, like, kind of, like, keeping that person, like, making them aware that, you know, like... Like, looped in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also when we have both been in relationships, we don't prioritize the relationship over the friendship that's true Cause, i mean because let's be honest like that's something that people do that's something that a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people do. we've all experienced that yeah. yeah for sure like i think we have always valued the friendship and prioritized it and like yeah we do have the means to travel and stuff but mm-hmm. also like we make it a priority to do that yeah and and we've made it work even though we have lived in different parts of the country like for, for the greater part of the last 10 years yeah. i feel like yeah <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Like, when you were in law school, we were both, like, in the Bay Area, but, like, that was the only time we were really, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I will say, like, you, like, being in a relationship, I always liked that you were one of those people that wouldn't be, like, oh, well, I have to, like, hang out with Joseph tonight, or, you know, like, you're busy, like, doing stuff with him. Like, you would always, like, make an effort to, like, hang out with me. Even just, like, one-on-one, too. Like, obviously, I don't mind if Joseph comes. Like, Mm -hmm. I love hanging out with him, but also, I think that, like, one-on-one time is also really good, too. It's so important. Yeah, Yeah. it's very important. It's just, like, unique. It's, like, you know, like, there's just different dynamics that are introduced. Yeah. With other people, not in a bad way. No, not in a bad way at all, but, like, when it's just, like, one-on, like, it's, like... quality time. Yeah, quality (laughs) time, exactly. Because I know a lot of people who will be, like, oh, by the way, like, my boyfriend's coming. And I'm, like, oh oh that's cool like I'm never gonna be like don't bring him like that's fine like for the most part I like my friend's boyfriends but like (laughs) no I on the whole I do sometimes you just want that one-on-one time with your friend Mm -hmm. that's our number one priority Mm -hmm. always and it just feels like you don't care about the friendship anymore and it's like yeah "Mm, that's kind of shitty like uh I was like convenient for you when you had free time because you were single no, exactly but now that you're in a relationship like it's like not uh, as important well yeah like, like you're good at like creating that like separate time yeah like for yourself and like with joseph and like with yeah. your friends and stuff like that so well because we've talked about this before that one person can't fulfill your every need yes and it's really unhealthy to think that someone could no for sure and there's there's things i like doing that joseph doesn't like Mm -hmm. doing you know he doesn't like wine yeah oh what (laughs) yeah that's part of the reason why he doesn't he never wants to go wine tasting oh i didn't know he doesn't like wine yeah he's a bourbon drinker okay that's fair enough (laughs) (laughs) he likes the hard-hitting stuff (laughs) (laughs) and like that's fine and like, yeah. also wasn't really going out dancing, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So like, I go out dancing with my friends that like going out dancing, yeah. and I drink wine with my friends that like to drink wine. Yeah. And I think it's really weird and super unhealthy and a sign of codependency when you start minimizing those parts of yourself that don't align with your partner. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people, especially like around our age, do. Like, they see their partner as someone who has to like every single thing that they like, yeah. and they'll drag them to do it, even though they don't like even though they know that they don't like it like some sort of line like you know what we're not like attached at the hip we're different people like you're allowed to like the things that you like and i'm allowed to like what i like and if it doesn't match up my time to do that and you get your time to do that but like do you think snape is a good guy (sighs) oh This goes back to the thing where we were talking about, like, where Taurus is. We see the good in people. So, yes, I actually do think. I think he had a really sad life, to be honest. Like, he lived his whole life based on the fact that he loved Lily so much and that he kind of caused her death. And he basically, spoiler alert, if you haven't finished Harry Potter, by the way. (laughs) He did cause her death. Wow. Yeah, he did. And I think that's why he, like, took on that guilt and he wanted to protect Harry and, like, make sure that he, like, I do think the way he treated Harry was a little unnecessary. Yeah. He went out of his way to just make him, like... (laughs) Which was also, like, how much did you really care about Lily, you know? Because I I don't think... Yeah. I don't think Lily would appreciate you being that way to her son. She wouldn't be very happy about it. She'd be like, what the fuck, Snape? No, I think Snape's miserable. He did have a hard life, but Mm -hmm. a lot of characters in that Mm, series had hard lives. Okay, but let's talk about that. He did have a really hard life. Like, What was so hard about his life? That he's the unrequited love? You gotta get No, 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 with his parents. With his parents. (laughs) What about... We might need to look that up. That seems a little too deep for Harry Potter. No, 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 (laughs) no. It was... 
whatever the situation, I don't know specifically, but his home life was very, like, depressing. That's why when he met Lily, he was, like, oh, or she was, like, this ray of sunshine to him. I hate that. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not the most, like, <laughs> complex thing, but, I mean. Because I think if Lily, it's, like, if you really loved her, you would be happy that she's with James. But he hated James so much. Ja- and to be fair, James, James was kind was of a to dick him. to him. Yeah, he was pretty mean. It doesn't make it okay, but he was, like, it wasn't like he was super nice to him. I just feel like it's really problematic to not let somebody go when they say that you don't like them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I do agree with that. And that was kind of his main storyline, so that's why I'm like, bad dude. <laughs> Thumbs down. I think, he was just, I think he was just such a troubled person, he didn't know how to, like portray being or like how to be openly a good person that's why he didn't want Dumbledore to tell Harry like he can't know that's so weird it's weird but like even in his death he was so weird (laughs) team Harry and Ginny or team Harry and Hermione I'm team Harry and Ginny okay I I don't mind book Ginny movie Ginny was a letdown (laughs) she was quite the letdown and I get like it's hard to put all those books into like a three hour movie but or like two and a half hour movie but like you mean they didn't show any personality of her she had no personality she was so dull and just like there and would pop up at times and I'm like okay that's not how do we if I hadn't read the books why would I think that her and Harry would be a good match yeah, no, they didn't explain that at all. Yeah. They there were a lot of things they relied on, like people having read the books and That's in true. The yeah. But I I'm more team Harry and Ginny just because I'm anti Harry and Hermione. Same, yeah. Like, Hermione's too good for Harry. Oh, you think that? Yeah, because Harry's a little too arrogant. He know? is arrogant. And it's like I get you're the chosen one, but also recognize <laughs> that Hermione got you through so many trials and tribulations in front of Voldemort. She carried in, that team. In one way or another. You yeah, know? yeah. She really carried that she team. She carried that team. Yeah. And I feel like it makes it made sense to me actually that she would be attracted to the man who's like more humble, mm-hmm. kinda silly. Yeah. Because <laughs> he brings out that side in her. Yeah. No, I'm definitely team Ron and Hermione. Yeah, but I don't know. Ginny. Mm. I, I wanted there to be someone else for Harry. Not Ginny, not Cho, not Hermione. Just like someone like, I don't know. I think Ginny's best suited for him of all the people that he had as options. I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like, that's the way J.K. Rowling, like, set it up. Like, she's a redhead. His mom was a redhead. It's basically just, like, restarting the generation again, but. Well, and it's cute that it's, like, his best friend's sister, so. That's true. So now they're, like, Real life brothers, but actually, that might make people uncomfortable. <laughs> like so, if your friend, like if I dated your brother, oh my god, that'd be that'd so be so weird. weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real life, that wouldn't really work out. Yeah, see, like in the book, they made it seem cute, but now that I'm well, saying, no, in the book though, there's people like, were upset. Ron was like, Harry was like struggling with it. I think it was like in the sixth book because he yeah, was he like, knew something was weird. He was like, he was like struggling with it, or Harry was struggling with it because he knew that like Jenny, but it's weird because it's. Like, and then he saw, like, Ron get mad at, like, Dean when she was dating Dean. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was like, oh, shit, like, he's going to be, like, mad at me, too. But then he was, like, fine with it. What is your dream job? My dream job doesn't have, like, a specific title, but mm. I think it's something along the lines of not owning my own business, but, like, kind of owning my own business and like being my own boss just kind of having like more freedom than like working for a company where they like tell you what to do and like all that stuff so yeah we were talking about earlier about how entrepreneurship is appealing for that reason yeah and I used to never understand like when people oh I want to own my own business I'm like that sounds like really stressful like you're responsible for like and it is making your own money and all that which yeah no it definitely is but like I can see the reason I was like but that's not like I feel like that's not worth like giving up a stable like steady job where you make a guaranteed salary but I can totally like after working for five years I can definitely see why people do it because it half of the struggle at work is like the politics of it and like trying to exhausting yeah oh yeah it's so exhausting like if you were just doing your job and there were no politics involved like you didn't have to like consider like who's the right person to ask for this like can I ask this person how should I ask them or when should I like if you didn't have to factor that in that would take out like half of your work day (laughs) <laughs> I actually 
See, I love podcasting so much. Like, this is my ideal job. I mean, this is fun. Yeah. Like, I'm having fun doing this. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like a good outlet. Share my ideas with people who yeah. appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And I, I do. So I really like writing, and I would like to be in a position where I'm doing more of the type of writing that I like to mm-hmm. do. Like, legal writing is very specific and yeah. in many ways really restricting. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'd want to do more writing that brings me joy. And I want to be, I think ideally, either do a podcast that's news-oriented, so Mm -hmm. becoming more of a reporter, yeah, or being a cultural critic writing in magazines. Yeah. I think that'd be my idea. Oh, both super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, (laughs) you're you're halfway there. (laughs) I don't have a specific title, but I've always loved fashion. Mm -hmm. So, like, if there's some way that I can figure out work in the fashion industry, even though I know that's cutthroat, but just work within, like, playing and, like, things like that, then that would make me really happy. Yeah, because I think you like the self-expression of clothes. Oh, for sure. Like, really how, like... Me, like, picking out an outfit is, like, a whole thing. It really is, like, to express, like, a whole mood and just, like, a vibe, like, by what I wear and, like, how I wear it. Okay, so, going back to Harry Potter... Which house do you identify with and why? Okay, so this one's kind of hard for me. I literally, <laughs> I have a photo on my Instagram and the caption, I'm like at Harry Potter World and the caption is like, Hufflepuff on the outside, Slytherin on the inside. <laughs> Which I feel like is kind of fitting. Like, sure. like when people meet me, well, I mean, I guess it depends. I've heard both. Like people either think I'm like super nice and innocent or that I'm like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I think, like, like when I'm at work and when I'm with people that, like, I'm not super close with, like, I am just, like, super, like, reserved and, like, very nice and just, like, make people feel, like, uncomfortable. You're cautious. Yeah, I'm very cautious. But, like, I think there's a Slytherin part in there, like, yeah. you know. Sag- I feel like The Sagittarius moon. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Slytherins kind of, like, get stuff done. I don't know. In a sneaky way, for sure. In a sneaky way, yeah. But you, you got to hustle to make it. I identify with Ravenclaw. I was about to say, I feel like you're a Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I took the Pottermore quiz and it said I was a Hufflepuff. And Did I'm, it really? And I'm trying to lead into that identity anymore. <laughs> I mean... I think it makes sense because I actually... I am, like we were saying earlier, like I am really sentimental. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And sensitive. Yeah. And I, I do come off as another way. But I think because of my Leo rising. Yeah. You gotta factor in that rising and that moon sign. <laughs> yes. No, yeah, because I think I come off a certain way, but like I actually am like really nice and kind-hearted <laughs> no yeah for sure yeah but, that's why i feel like yeah we're it's that taurus spirit coming in that's like our hufflepuff and then yeah. we have like a rising house sign <laughs> if you will yeah knowing that the sorting hat takes into account what you want yeah so that would i think that you'd be in Ravenclaw. <laughs> but see for me i don't i think i did take the pottermore quiz and it said slytherin oh my god that's so funny <laughs> yeah i mean well and they were aligned with voldemort that's true, what but not. I'm sure not all of them were. I know. Although maybe, I mean, I maybe at that point in time, I think probably. But after his downfall, I like to think that they took on, you know, some students who were not aligned with that side of the world. I think one of Harry's kids ended up in Slytherin, and it was like a big identity crisis for him. Mm. So not all Slytherins are bad. It's hmm. the moral of the story. I can't think of a good one. Me. <laughs> <laughs> In the books. What are the ridiculous names that they gave them? <laughs> Albus. Old. I think it was Albus Severus <laughs> who, who ended up being a Slytherin. Oh <laughs> which of the Deathly Hallows would you pick? Now I need to look up which, what the Deathly Hallows. There the, are cloak, the cloak. The cloak, the stone, resurrection stone, oh. and the wand, the elder wand. Wait, so the elder wand just makes to be able to beat everybody else? It's bas- Yeah, it's basically the most powerful wand like in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be me. See, well, okay, if, but if you're thinking about it, like, okay, if I'm, like, Harry Potter, like, in that world, like, Elder Wand. Don't you think about it as Rowena in that world? What would you want? Oh, then I would do the invisibility cloak. Huh? Wait, yeah. why? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I just like to, I'm just, like, the type of person that likes to kind of be a fly on the wall, and I like to observe. I don't always like you're to be, like, yeah, a part of the conversation. <laughs> and, like, sometimes people see that as, like, you're not having fun, or, like, I get mm-hmm. this all the time, like, like are you okay like are you having fun I'm like yeah I'm literally just sitting here I'm like serving like just because I'm not like a part of the conversation doesn't mean that I'm like annoyed and I want to go home it also has to do with my resting bitch face but that's another story the eavesdropping aspects to it sometimes that's like useful I want the elder one because it sounds sick 
I mean, it does. Like, you literally have all the power in the world, basically. Oh, would that bring problems? That would probably bring problems. That would bring a lot of problems. I mean, it brought problems for Dumbledore. <laughs> so. But I could do a lot. You could do a lot, yeah. <laughs> but it, you could do a lot with regular magic, too, with, like, a regular wand. Wait, so if I, I would already be a witch in this world? Do the invincibility cloak. Actually, because I think... Oh, my God, that'd be so... That'd be so, like, good and useful. But that would also come with, like, some risks. Because, like, what, imagine you just were like, oh, I'm going to, like, eavesdrop on these people, like, see what they're saying, and then they're, like, talking shit about you. That's exactly why you would want the cloak. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it will reveal your true, yes. like, your true friends. It's so much easier. It would be so much easier to do it with an invisibility cloak instead yeah. of, like, your normal discerning powers. No, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. And I think it'd be really useful, like, oh, I could, like, I could, like, go in and see, like, the short-term ICE detention centers and what they're really like and what they really Yeah. Do. You could break some news stories. <laughs> yeah. Or it'd be just useful as a lawyer. No, yeah. I Yeah, I, I definitely think Potentially that. Potentially unethical, but... <laughs> Very unethical, but no one needs to know. No one would know. No one would know, yeah. The resurrection zone, I feel like, is Arizona just... Arizona bar, this is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw that one in there. I mean, it's still pending, so... <laughs> I feel like the resurrection stone would just be too messy. Like, if you're bringing people back from the dead. I'm sorry. I don't want to live forever. I don't, I don't want to either. And like those people who have died. In this world. And have, yeah. No one's trying to live that long. I'm good. In this world. It's a scary world. pass the torch to the next generation. Good luck. Well, you imagine those people have like passed on, but you're bringing them back. Like, not everybody wants that. That's a good, that's a question that is really important. Do they get to consent? No, they smart. don't. They just get brought back. Oh, see, that's a lot of bad juju. It's like, what if you're all... There'd be a lot of people that are going to be pissed. Yeah, you're in the afterlife. You're enjoying yourself. You finally, like, made Sounds peace with the fact that you died. <laughs> and then here we go. Harry's bringing me back again. Who's more evil? Dolores Umbridge or Voldemort? That's a hard one because I think, like... I'm going to say Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, because the evil of Dolores Umbridge as, like, us readers was a lot more tangible than, like, Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Because he, he was like trying to kill people. I mean, no, Pretty we know that. Tangibly. We know that. But like, I mean, he had his like run-ins every year at the end of the school year with Harry. Mm-hmm. But like, Umbridge was like affecting a lot of like the characters that we actually knew, like at the school, and like we had like created a bond with, and like the literature world. Yeah, I think Dolores Umbridge is the more evil one, and I think that she she was evil in a way that was more discreet Mm -hmm. like she you know she had her respectability politics going on so that she could have a position in Mm. this really important prestigious school yeah but she was doing like wild wild stuff yeah like making people bleed because they were handwriting and etching Mm -hmm. into their skin like i will not tell lies yeah and i i think that um that's actually how evil works in the world Mm -hmm. you know like it it really is regular people who, from their perspective, are doing their regular job. Yeah. Like, ICE agents and CBP agents tell themselves that what they do is necessary and important. hmm And I think that that's, like, more accurately what evil is in our world. Yeah. I think in the, like, Harry Potter movie world, Voldemort is more understandable as, like, the real villain. Yeah. But I think... Actually, like in real life, the villains are Dolores Umbridge. No, that makes sense. Yeah. What? Where's your favorite place you've traveled? Oh, I think one of my favorite places is the south of France, I think. Oh my god, it sounded so beautiful when you described it. It was like, it was very beautiful, like, just felt like, just very relaxing. And we just do speak like some French, that might be why they were nicer to you. Yeah, we were talking about this. Like, <laughs> oh, I've every a lot of people, like my mom and my sister, like you have no, said, I went like to Paris. Yeah, they when they went to me. Paris or when they went to France, like <laughs> the French were very rude and like no one spoke English. But you do make a good point because I took French in college and in high school, so like I I always make an effort to like at least like greet them in French and like try to start the conversation in French they usually always switch it over to English because I think I have the worst accent and they don't know what I'm saying and they're like Joseph too in Latin America yeah and they're like oh she's an American we're not gonna bother and then it makes him so sad yeah it made me sad too but then sometimes they do try to to be fair they try to carry on in French and I don't know what they're saying I just wanted to go there so I think that's my favorite place this is a hard question it's hard I mean, it was hard for me to narrow it down, too. How about, like, in the past, like, five years, what's your favorite place you've been to? Does that narrow it down? It does, it does. Um, I think I really liked being in 
being seeing Machu Picchu and then mm-hmm. also being in the Cusco area mm-hmm. because the mountains are so so beautiful. Yeah, and like I really yeah I really admire mountains. I think growing up in the Bay Area, we have really nice like mountain landscapes, mm-hmm. and so I've always appreciated that. And when I was there, like I just remember being blown away by how majestic the mountains looked, mm-hmm. and it was cool. To be around so much ancient, like, Latin American history. Yeah. Cool to know, like, oh, you know, Machu Picchu most likely was a a research university where mm-hmm. they were trying to figure out different kinds of agricultural crops, and that's why things are stacked that way. Mm, and okay. It was, it was really cool. It was really interesting. And then also, like, I remember I just had a very trippy moment be- when I went to Peru because I had recently been, I had just seen a play by Sri Moraga where she was saying that time isn't linear Mm. and when she said that i didn't know what she meant yeah i had to like sit on it for a while Mm -hmm. and then i went to machu picchu and then they were explaining that there were like these three circles and they were saying that like they represented time Mm -hmm. like past present and future yeah that because indigenous knowledge says that the that these things aren't separate that they exist for example like within our memories yeah and like the fact that we remember things and the fact that we have ancestral knowledge is an example of how time isn't linear. And then I remember, it, like, when he said that, I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> what I had seen in the play months like, earlier. Like, finally made sense. Clicked. Yeah. And then he was like, you know, yeah, like, everything happens for a reason. Even while you're on this tour right now. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> Real trippy. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a really smart dude. He yeah. He knew a lot about Machu Picchu. Yeah. That was just a really special trip. Yeah. No, I've never been to South America before. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I guess, yeah. Only Central and Mexico. Yeah. I don't know. That's always wild being in the Northeast because mm-hmm. there is a lot of that. Like that old history. Yeah. history. Mm-hmm. And the house that I lived in off campus my senior year was built in 1881. Oh, that's crazy. You know, I do not think that whoever built that house <laughs> was thinking that me, a first-gen Latina woman, and, like, my two queer Latinx roommates and my Chinese-Canadian roommate, Nan, <laughs> were all going to be Yale students living in that house. Definitely not, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, really cool. Cause no, just, yeah. It is very unpredictable. <laughs> Where is your next desired trip, both in the U.S. and abroad? Oh, so we were kind of talking about this yesterday or something. I think my desired trip in the U.S. sounds cliche, but Hawaii, Mm because I've never been to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. It just looks so pretty and just, like, relaxing and just all that. So that's in the U.S. And then abroad, I don't know. I really want (laughs) to – okay, one place I really want to go is Austria, I think, because – I believe that's where they film the Sound of Music and they have this Sound of Music tour. <laughs> and I'm like obsessed with the Sound of Music and I really want to go on this tour. Mm. So Austria for sure. And then I also... So I already have a plan, a trip planned to New Orleans. Ooh. Oh yeah, I'm going next week too. Yeah. yeah that, that's what I'm most excited about in the US. I think talking about history mm-hmm. has a lot of really cool, really unique history Yeah, definitely. Like mm-hmm. a lot of cultures that specifically mixed in that area. Yeah. Are really unique. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for a beignet. And I yes. really love the drinking culture. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can, like, literally, it's just, like, a shit show. Everybody just drinks it's on the streets. Show. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I think it's, like, a super fun time. Yeah. And I, I'm excited for the food in general, you know? The like, food, honestly, I've heard is, like, so good. Yeah. Like, so good. No. Oh, you mar- I know. Joseph told me that. So, there's Cafe Du Monde. Yeah. And there's a beignet plate. Because, you know, he's from Louisiana. And then oh, I need to, to get his recommendations. Yeah. Any. Yeah. I'll okay. tell yeah. Um, And he's saying that there's a beignet place, like, right across the street from Cafe Du Monde. Oh. That beignets that taste exactly the same. But- Smart business strategy. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like, oh, you know, it's like, you can go to Cafe Du Monde, you know, kind of, like, for that experience. Yeah. But, like, if you've already done that and you just want really good beignets, mm-hmm. go to that place across the street. Oh, that's really smart. Because <laughs> there's never a line. Oh, see? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with Cafe du Monde, I think it's like it's always, there's always a line. It's, like, super long. Yeah. See, that's the insider knowledge that I need mm-hmm. for when I go. I think the next place I want to go abroad is somewhere that I've been before. But I want to go back to Salvador because I haven't been there since I was 12. Oh, yeah. And Joseph and I had been trying to go, actually, like, 
when we did our Guatemala trip, mm-hmm. we had actually been trying to go to El Salvador at that time. Yeah. Because Joseph was like, oh, like, I want to get to know the country. Mm-hmm. And my grandma has a house there, so it would have been, like, very cheap for us. Yeah. But because of my work, the only Salvadorians that I work with are the ones who are fleeing the country. Oh. And so I've gotten the worst picture of it. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily accurate. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, Salvadorian people are living their lives every day, mm-hmm. like, the rest of us. Yeah. You know? And, yes, there's a lot of violence, but there's also areas that are not that violent where you can be safe and where you can't go to beaches and yeah stuff. i mean my own family goes back like, no yeah and, it, and they've been fine and yeah. so i just think it's because i've been specifically exposed to the worst and yeah i'm scared and then i'm it would be such a trip for me to go back because i would meet the kids that i played with when <laughs> that's so crazy when I, you were younger when i was younger and like my grandma always tells me that they all remember me. Oh, no way. And they, like, ask about me and stuff. And so it would just be, like, a trip down memory lane. Oh, my God, that's crazy. You should definitely do it. That, yeah, just, I was like, we have to go. Yeah. No, <laughs> for sure. What is your favorite thing about your career? <laughs> that's a hard one to answer, honestly. I mean, I think... I'm, like, fortunate to have a job that's, like, pretty flexible and, like... Work from home. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one of them for sure. <laughs> like, I get to work from home every Friday. Like, if I have a doctor's appointment or something, like, and I need to be close to my house because, like, our offices are, like, kind of far from, like, where my central location is. And I'm allowed to, like, work from home and do stuff like that. Not and, a lot of questions asked. Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing I will say that I've experienced I've been lucky to experience because I know this isn't the case for everybody and this isn't necessarily something for like all of PR but like I feel like I've always had a very supportive team Mm -hmm. who's always backed me up yeah exactly and even where I am now like so sad to say that's not everywhere that's what I'm saying like that's why I feel like I'm so fortunate because I hear other people's experiences like your experiences like (laughs) other friends and things yeah no other friends and I know that that's not the case everywhere so I'm just I'm super fortunate and super lucky and I feel like very grateful to have had those experiences and I know I'm enjoying it now while it lasts but I think that is something that's been very good like I might not I mean PR might not be my calling I feel like it's not what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life but I think the fact that I'm lucky to work with good people along the way it makes all the difference because (laughs) if you're working in something that you don't really like and the people suck like it makes it 10 times worse recipe for misery no it definitely is like it it, all that goes into it even if you hate like the industry you're in or the day-to-day work that you do if the people are good it it really does like make a difference so yeah people say they don't hate jobs people don't hate jobs they hate their managers no and i feel that okay goals for the future well, my goals, I have, like, one very, very big goal, and that's just to pay off my student loans. And I tell oh, myself, same. like, yeah, once I pay them off and like, well, I don't know how long I've been paying them at this point, but maybe in seven years, let's say six years, once I pay them off, then I'm going to allow myself, hopefully I won't have, like, any other financial, like, constraints, like, blocking me, but I'll allow myself to kind of reset and, like, think about what I really want to do. Because mm-hmm. I think just, I mean, I think I feel like I've already kind of said what I want to do in the future, but... Mm-hmm. I I want to continue this podcast project. I want to move on and do other podcast projects. Uh, I want to tell stories. I want to document things. And I want to comment on what's happening around me. So I think that can take a lot of different forms. But that is what I want to continue doing. And I think that's what I've started doing with the Cerebronas project. And now with Radio Cachimbona. So I just want to continue doing that. And make it sustainable financially for me. Yeah. Would you rather win the lottery or work at the perfect job, and why? <laughs> Part of me wants to say win the lottery, but have you ever seen those, like... I've never personally watched them, but there are all those, like, shows on, like, TLC. Like, I, I, I won the lottery, and, you're, and it, like, and ruined my life. life yeah, no. Honestly, if I won the lottery, I honestly don't... I don't need to be, like, a 50-millionaire person or whatever, mm-hmm. like... I just need a little bit of money to, like, pay my loans, and then I'm good. So mm-hmm. I think the perfect job would mm-hmm. be more ideal. The lottery never even ends up being that great because you get taxed. Yeah, and then you get, like, I mean, it's a, it's a big amount of money, but you probably get, like, half of what it actually is. Yeah. And then, yeah. And so, wait, actually, I think I would want to win the lottery because I'd want to buy a house. 
I mean, I don't want to buy a house too. I want to buy a house for myself. I want to pay off my parents' house, buy them a new house, like whatever. I think I kind of like the struggle. (laughs) I don't like the struggle. I (laughs) I think post taxes, I'd want to buy my own house. Yeah. Because I hate renting. I hate the instability of renting. I don't like the idea that I could be kicked out. True. I mean, there's legal defenses to this. (laughs) That that you know of. (laughs) But no, I mean, I I don't know. Because especially being a Taurus, my home is my sacred place. Yeah. My safe place. No, yeah. So I want a home that I, like, design and... Or if not totally design myself, like, you know, I decorate it. Yeah. So it's, like, my own. Yeah. I want that. No, I feel that. I would be I would be fine winning a very small lottery, like five million maybe. Literally I always say like if I had like a million dollars, not taxed, because after that it would be like five hundred thousand dollars. But if I had just like I got like handed a million dollars, like I could like re- reset some things and like I'd be fine with that. I just think we work too much in this country and I my ideal work week would be twenty hours a week. Oh yeah, same. Because, like, now that I work part-time, like, oh, wow. Like, my house is so fucking clean. Yeah. Because you have time to, like... Because I have time. Yeah. And to be fair, like, when you get off of work, like, out of work at, like, 5, 6, 7 o'clock, and then you come home, the last thing you want to do is make sure your house is clean. No, like especially when I have that hour and 20-minute commute. Yeah. Like, like you want to... And you, like, probably have to make dinner for yourself. Or you at least have to, like, pick up dinner and, like, eat, and then make sure you're well-rested for the next day. Like, right. it doesn't really leave much time for, like enjoying watching your favorite tv program or whatever it might be like it it's just yeah if money was no object what would you do all day in a related question oh if money was no object i'd be a chiller i'm I'm, I'm a chiller by nature i think that might be hard for people to believe but i i'm a chiller by nature no same my mom always used to call me the kickback kid so i just feel like I don't know, just, like, chilling, like, watching TV, just, like, minding my own business. I, don't I feel know. like that's why we get along so well. Yeah. Chillers. Yeah. We're both Tauruses. I mean, it's a, it's a real thing. <laughs> I actually don't think I could pick a specific year, but I think I would want to be a part of one of those communities of like creatives yeah hang out at like saloons or bars yeah that was literally that movie oh my god yeah yeah and you're like surrounded by people who are really smart Mm -hmm. and really interesting and have creative projects going on i think i would like that i think in our modern world um it's really easy to be really disconnected yeah like kind of weirdly connected because of your phone but also weirdly disconnected yeah and so i would want that previous time period where like intellectuals and creatives really got their inspiration from each other and their friendships no i like that i i yeah i know i kind of want my house to become that in tucson like the the place where people gather to like no that would be cool yeah share a meal with four with any four individuals living or dead who would they be oh my god this living or dead question always gets me because i feel like i'd probably want to meet with more dead people than living but i can never think of who like who specifically i would want to meet with i have one person in mind and i need to fill out the other three mm-hmm. okay i have my four all right you go <laughs> okay <laughs> I want to have dinner with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Okay. Kathleen Cleaver, so former Black Panther slash one of my professors at Yale slash someone Ooh. who I lost touch with really tragically. Oh, no. Hi, Kathleen Cleaver. <laughs> I've, been, I've been emailing you, girl. Shout out. <laughs> if you're here, if you're listening, Kathleen. If you, for some reason, are listening, I would try to reach out. She might be. You never know. I hey, know. Kathleen. And then... La Malinche. Have you heard about that figure? Mm-mm. Oh my god. She, it's like, the, she was somebody who acted as a translator for Cortez in the colonization of yeah. Mexico and Central America. Oh. And so she was kind of like deeply complicit in it because she translated for him when he was speaking to the Aztecs and also to Nahuatl people and to somebody else. Yeah. Like, to the indigenous people of Mexico and Central America and she aided in that conquest. Oh. So, but like she's a very controversial figure because some people are like she was 
you know, she wasn't an interpreter. She was enslaved. Like, yeah. she didn't have a choice. And other people were like, she is a cultural traitor. Like, mm-hmm. she chose to... To, like, help, to, but, yeah. but she didn't have a choice. Like Right. No, right. <laughs> she was enslaved. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, like, she's, like, become this really... She's a figure that's still referred to. Like, people say, like, don't be a Maninche. Don't be a traitor. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. And then... Wait, who is the fourth... Wow, this is so annoying. Who is the fourth person? Well, one is Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> and the other is Coco Chanel. Mm. Because Coco Chanel... Do you remember in fifth grade when we did an autobiography, like, project? Yes, or maybe it was, like, fifth or sixth grade, and we yeah. had to read a book that was, like... About somebody? Yeah. yeah and I, I chose Coco Chanel, and, like, she actually had, like, a crazy life. There's just, like... She wasn't just, like, a fashion designer. There was so much more, like, to her life mm. that I think is super cool. So, definitely Coco Chanel. <laughs> this scholar named Kenzie Cornejo, she's Salvadorian, and she writes about... Salvadorian resistance in art mm-hmm. and she came and spoke at Stanford and I went to one of her talks and I was like oh, you're so brilliant oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah that'd be my four well, there you go let's combine it and make a dinner of like of those six. four and then add Coco Chanel and Kanye West <laughs> what was the last book you read oh my god <laughs> why are you asking me this question well cause I just I copied and pasted a bunch oh no I'm not uh, sad to say, I'm not a huge reader. I mean, if you're really going to ask me what the last book I read was, and I have to answer it, it was To All the Boys I've Loved Before. <laughs> I and love like, it. I mean, it's a YA book. I literally read it on a you plane. You read a lot of YA books. Yeah, but that's so embarrassing that to say. Is a nostalgic time period in your life? I think it is. Like. What keeps you up at night? <laughs> what keeps me up at night? Ugh, my loans. <laughs> thinking about having to pay them back. No, but honestly, it yeah, is. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. that and then just, like, honestly thinking about having to go to work every day. It's just not, I'm not, like, super passionate it's about it. Fulfilling. Yeah. I think, well, what would keep me up at night before was whether, like, my clients cases and whether or not like I would like ugh, it was so bad like if I ever go back to direct legal services I need to figure out how to keep a better work-life balance mm-hmm. because I would literally be trying to go to sleep and then I'd be like can I write that motion <laughs> no yeah and that's but let's like so serious like what you're doing is way more serious than what I do like it was a lot it was, that kind of stuff like it's your someone's life depends me, on it yeah that's why it would keep me up at night because I would be like I would be like anxious about whether or not I was doing the most yeah that I could for mm-hmm. somebody but it's hard because you it's that's not sustainable and I was getting burned out yeah um because you, you just can't think about your work all the time you can't but I I get why like with a job like that it's hard not to think about like you're not doing your job right if you're not thinking about it all the time thank you yeah I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay What is one thing you'll never do again? One thing I'll never do again. I didn't know what wasabi was the first time I had it. And then I fucking <laughs> grabbed a big ass scoop of it and it like cleared my sinuses. And I've stayed away from wasabi ever since. I love wasabi actually. I In had, small doses, you got you can't really do a big thing. No, no, no. no it's no, deceiving. I, it looks like guacamole. <laughs> no, I literally thought it was an avocado based thing, and so I like really enthusiastically took a bunch at once. That sounds painful. It was hard. Yeah. Never again. What would I never do again? Relationship-wise? Yes. Let's hear it. I would <laughs> I would hope, at least. You can never say that you'll never do anything again. We all make mistakes in love. Yeah, it all, it all happens. But I would never, like, put myself in the situation where, like, it's me against, like, me, like, not fighting over, yeah. like, a guy with another Trying girl. But, like, somebody, yeah. yeah, being, like, in a situation where there's, like, another girl. You're made girl. to feel that way. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Where you're not prioritized. Yeah. And I think Amen. in my younger age, I did that <laughs> a lot. Well, not a lot, you but I did. the dude was worth it, then it's like, oh, he ain't Yeah, I know. But, like, now, like, honestly. He's regular, regular. Just unwarranted, like, advice or, like, advice that people might not even care to hear. But being single for, I've been single for, like, five years now. But being single is honestly the most eye-opening thing because oh, yeah. you learn so much about yourself, especially yes. in your 20s. I feel like I've matured and grown so much, like, after getting out of a relationship and, like, just being single and, like, doing my own thing. I've become so independent and I think 
I, I am an independent person by nature, but I don't think I was that independent when I was younger. Like, yeah. being single for that long of a time, like, you really get to know yourself and know what you do and don't want. And you'll never put your yourself in that position where you're with someone or with in, like, a situation where it's, like, things you don't want. You really mm-hmm. get to know yourself and, like, understand, like, what you deserve and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. take time to be single. <laughs> yeah, because I think otherwise if people jump from relationship to relationship, they don't really know what it feels like to just- give- to yeah, be, to be the only person giving yourself love and what no, that yeah. means and what that looks like, mm-hmm. and that's very important because it is really true. If you don't love yourself, you can't no, love anyone else. It's, it's so like, it's, it's so cliche, but it's so true. So true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is there any other question you wanted to answer? I don't think so. All right. That covers it all for me. Another question, buena listeners. Thank you for sending in your questions, and we hope you enjoyed. <laughs> bye, y'all. Thank you. Bye. bye.